Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday Recap. We're so glad that you joined us this week. This week is a very special week, you guys, because we have some uh, <laughs> we have some guests on the podcast with us. Uh, Mitch and Ariel are both out this week, but uh, we have with us uh, two good friends of mine. Uh, over here across the table from me is a uh, friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, Rachel Reese. Hello, hello. Hey, welcome back on the podcast. Thank you. Number two. Uh, you had me back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. welcome. That's exciting. Um, so uh, Rachel's here. Rachel leads our, our, is one of the co-leaders of our women's ministry. Um, they're right now going through the book of Ezra uh, with a number of, how many, how many ladies are in the, are in the, uh, study right now attending uh i think we have 67 or eight yeah. registered yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome it's been awesome so cool yeah so uh, all that's going on right now so rachel glad you're here thank you so fun yeah. uh then right here on my right is brian o'malley brian welcome thank you yeah brian uh excited to have you on especially talking about the psalms because uh one of the things that that brian does uh here at the church for us is he teaches classes with me and uh in particular, he's been teaching classes on the Old Testament. Um, he's a Hebrew guy. We're gonna I'm gonna brag on him a little bit here and uh, some of his skill. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he actually taught a class on the Psalms mm-hmm. and uh, and and did so for a number of years mm-hmm. here. And so now he's teaching uh, another class on the Book of Exodus that's going on right now. Um, and so, man, we're glad that you're here. Well, thank you. When yeah. you called me up and asked me to do this, I was like, this is great. It's yeah. two of my favorite people. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we got to be at a couple of little uh, discussions together before. So yeah. super fun to get, get together again. Um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, in particular verse 6. But um, before we get to that, I would love for our listeners maybe just to get to know you guys a little bit more uh, <laughs> and what you guys do. So uh, let's do this. Brian, tell us your most favorite thing about teaching classes here at Stones. What have you enjoyed the most? Uh, getting to meet people and the discussion that takes place when when we interact with material yeah. that that's been uh, that was the most precious experience in teaching the Psalms and it's been the most precious experience in teaching Exodus. Yeah, it's just getting to know people, seeing seeing where where they're at and 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 what questions they come up with with the with the text. Yeah, absolutely, that's so cool. So you are married. How long have you been married? Uh, since 1994. So okay. do the math. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, and, and how many kids do you have? We have five kids. Five kids. Five kids. All right. Mm-hmm. And all of them are now out of the house the, in college. The youngest is at college. Yeah, crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. Just yep. this last year, right? Yep. Yeah. She's a freshman. It's amazing. Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> Very cool. Now, you went to um, you went to seminary. That's correct. I, yeah. I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. Okay. For a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm on the same track as you, actually. So. You're close. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was sort of the, the main thing that you got out of your, your time there at Trinity? The main thing? Oh, wow. Um, a, a love for the Old Testament. Yeah. That, that's uh, when I started along. We had several degree changes along the way for various reasons. But um, the the thing that, that has impacted me the most is is I was infected with an Old Testament bug. <laughs> so I, yeah. I just I thoroughly enjoy the Old Testament. That's so cool. So especially in light of, I mean, I, I would say most 
people in the church today don't have a, a strong familiarity with the Old Testament. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're used to reading maybe the Gospels and the letters of Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to avoid Revelation because it's too scary, <laughs> and, you know, and then, <laughs> and then the Old Testament's like we know a couple verses here and there, but we don't really understand the uh, like the the breadth and the scope of what the Old Testament is, is doing mm-hmm. a, a lot of times, and uh, and so that's interesting. I, I think you know what maybe maybe give us one example. What's something that you love about how the Old Testament then helps you today in, in your own walk with with Christ? You don't really have the New Testament without the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, understanding the the breadth and the depth of what of what Jesus actually accomplished yeah. in, in, in his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Uh, it, it pops a lot more when you see it in, in that context of, of the Old Testament, all the, the preparation work that the Lord did yeah. to, to bring this all about. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the, the whole Bible as kind of these bookends, you've got the starting out in a garden and you've got ending in essentially a garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to Genesis three, and you get the, the fall. The rest of the Bible is is the story of redemption. So cool. Well, man, glad you're here today. Well, thank you. Chatting with it's us. Pleasure to be here. Yep. Rachel, we're gonna turn to you. So uh, we've told people on the podcast before, but we've known each other even longer than than we've been here yeah. at Stones over a decade now, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, our families. Uh, we used to be neighbors when we lived in Tucson uh, out there. And so, uh, and we went to the same church and we were in the same small group for a long time. And uh, Logan and Rachel are good, good friends of our family. Um, so Rachel, tell us what you are loving right now about the book of Ezra, yeah. going through that with the women in our church. Yeah. Uh, I think similar thing to what Brian just said is, is the thing that we are getting feedback uh, most about is I just never saw Ezra in the light of the whole picture. Mm -hmm. You know, Ezra was just a story about, and and Ezra doesn't even come on the scene till chapter seven. And it's it's this weird story about these people coming back from, okay, well, they were in exile and now they're back. And, oh, it's the second temple. Okay, people, you know, are familiar with that. But to see see Ezra, how it fits in the entire narrative, to see um, so much of how... The New Testament builds on the Old Testament, and so many, so many women were just like, oh, I've just read Ezra just as a standalone book before, and I never really understood how it fit into the big picture in that. Mm. Um, man, that's a gift um, for us to dig into that and to really understand all the themes that that Ezra is in Scripture for. Um, Ezra is not, you know, it's not one of those books that even, it's not an Old Testament book that's quoted, you know, in the New Testament. You know, you have so many of those, but but to see its importance with just so many of the themes that we see from the garden to the new heaven and new earth is just, it's been a gift to see that, to study it ourselves as uh, leaders and teachers, and then also to illuminate that for our women and to see them respond with that light bulb moment. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so fun. That's so great. Um, so... Rachel, you and Logan have been married now for twelve years. Twelve years, mm-hmm. okay. I was, I was close. Yep. yep. I was, <laughs> uh, and you have three kids, three yes. young kids, yep. right? So um, they are all like, I'm thinking now. Gideon's in third. Grade. He's in third grade. Yeah. Emerson is in first grade, and Kezia is three. Yeah. 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 So interesting. So we have kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here a little bit. Got all the kids out of the house and. 
and then in the midst, in the midst of it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, so glad that you're on here as well today. This will be a fun conversation. Before we get rolling, I do want to let you know about our upcoming membership class. Membership is something that we do here at Stones. We love doing membership here at Stones. Um, membership typically is a four week class on Sundays, but we actually have our membership intensive that's coming up on November. Uh, what is it? November twelfth, November twelfth and thirteenth. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. We would love for you to be a part of it. If you're thinking about uh, joining Stones Crossing Church as a member, this is a great step for you to take. Uh, You don't have to become a member just by taking the class. You can just come to the class, get the information you need in order to make an informed decision about membership. So uh, you can sign up for that at stonescrossing.com slash new, and uh, we'll hope to see you there. Well, let's go ahead and jump into what we're going to talk about today, Psalm 23. Um, now, when Scott opened up this sermon this this week, you know, this is a continuation of a sermon series that he's been doing throughout the entire year, breaking up Psalm 23 uh, into little chunks throughout all of 2021. Um, and I think it's been so interesting that he's been doing that, uh, especially because of the uh, almost the assurance that comes from this psalm. And it seems like that's something that our church really needed, especially after 2020 and everything that, that was going on in our, in our world right now. Um, but one of the big questions that he started out with with this one is, is that we often question God's goodness, right? We, we doubt his goodness when we go through difficult, painful circumstances. And we're tempted. We're tempted to doubt God's goodness. Why do you think that, that, it's, that that's where we go as people? Like, why do we go to that? When something bad happens to us, we're instantly, and as Christians, we just like, God, do you really love me? Are you really good? Do you really care about me? You know, why is that our first response? I think so much of our understanding sometimes of God's character can be so wrapped up on what he does, what he does for his people, what he does for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when so many of these characteristics, goodness, uh, love, he is good, mm-hmm. not just he does good things. He, God is love, mm-hmm. not just that he loves us. Um, and so I think so much, sometimes we can form God in our image. And so we under, only understand his character as to what he does, but we have to know that he is who he is because that's who he is. Right. I tend to, I would look at it from the fact that I'm selfish. I want what I want. Uh-huh. I, 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 I I want good. I want pleasant. Yeah. And then questions are, start to raise questions like, why, why does this happen to me? Right. Why, well, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Yeah. When that isn't necessarily true. Yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of like uh, when a kid, uh, you know, we all have kids, right? So when, when our kids, when they're young, maybe they, they stole a cookie out of the cookie jar or they, you know, they did something wrong. We, we put them in timeout. We give them a spanking, whatever the punishment is. And at that time, the kid is kind of like, why are you doing this to yeah. me? That's so mean, you know, mm-hmm. you know right. things like that. But they don't have the same perspective that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we, 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 as parents, are trying to shape and form their character because uh, we care more about that than, you know, the stolen cookie. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they don't have that same perspective. They're, they're looking at, like, all they can see is just what's right in front of their face, mm-hmm. right? Well, and do we me- mischaracterize the word good? You That's, know, yeah, very what, true. Is, what is good? Is it comfort? Right. Mm, no. <laughs> you know, is it ease? No. 
Is it so, you know, is it satisfaction? Is it so many things that we, again, like w when we're imagining, well, God is good because he does good things for me. Well, what happens when things don't seem good when something bad happens? Right. Is God not good in that? You know, we'll have things that'll happen. You know, I, I got the job. God is good. Well, God would be good if you didn't get the job, though. And I, I understand. I understand the motivation of it. But um, like I said, I think we wrap so much up in the in the the doing that we have to remember to root ourselves in who He is because that's who He is. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think um, what's interesting about that is it's it's almost like comfort, mm -hmm. right? You mentioned comfort. Comfort is good. Yeah. But goodness does not equal comfort yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and yes, God is always going to be good no matter what, whatever the circumstances are. That's such a, an interesting thing because you do see that a lot like on Facebook and stuff where people will say like, hey, you know, this great thing happened. God is good. But you're like, yes, uh, yes, yes, he is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a separate issue yes, altogether. Yes. <laughs> he was nice to you in this circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But God, God, and that's tough. You know, that's a, like, that's a pastoral thing that you have to balance, right, of of, and that's why that's why I'm always always talking about we have to know God's character on the mountains because the valleys are coming and we want to remember to be rooted in God's character mm -hmm. when the things that happen to us don't seem pleasant. Yeah. Do you think it's okay for us to question God's goodness, or or is there a line that we cross sometimes with that? I'll let you go first. Oh snap! Um, <laughs> what do you mean by okay? Is it sinful to question God's goodness? Is it sinful to question God's goodness, or or? Does God, is God good with that? Oh, God's, oh, God's good with that. Whether or not, well, well I mean, God still loves you regardless and God will answer right. you regardless. And, and, and God is not, you know, looking at you with reproach regardless. Um, I just say God's goodness does not, does not depend on whether or not I question it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and any, any questions that I might have are more of a, as a, Definitely more of a reflection on me than it is on anything else. Yeah, yeah, because because it is it is about where we are in our in our spiritual growth. And it at, at one point we probably do get to a place where it's where it's like when we when evil circumstances happen to us that we're we're maybe at that point looking for the goodness of God within those things, uh, looking for what God might be doing because ultimately we have a choice, right? Like we have a choice to make whenever those things happen. We can either trust God or not. Right. And so, like, if we're trusting him, then it's like we're trusting him that that ultimately something good will come from that, right? And that we might not see it. Yeah. And that we might not see the good that comes from that. And that's yeah. hard. Like, ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, 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 and when I worked on, we're going to be talking about Psalm 23, but as we mentioned earlier about Psalm 22, Jesus quoting from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Yeah. Now, there, there, there's a, that's a question. Mm-hmm. Right there, yeah. yeah, and and where you go with that, that's that's worth a lot of thought. Absolutely, yep. You know, I think of my children, that that's so much of parenting is developing. That hey, I mean what I say, and you can trust me. And sometimes they just don't. Yeah, they just don't. And and is that you know because they think I'm bad? Mm -hmm. No, they're just learning and growing and mm -hmm. learning to trust mm -hmm. their parent. And some of that just, yeah, yeah, takes time. Yeah. Some of this, I, I start to think about the book of Job mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. ways, you know, because Job, after everything that happened to him, you know, so if you've ever read through Job, then you have, you know, you know, the, the beginning of the story where um, through a series of circumstances, um, God permitted Satan to come down and to 
uh, take away almost everything that Job had, all of his wealth, even his family, uh, his health, like all sorts of stuff. He is um, stripped down to nothing. And the question there is, is Job still going to trust God in the end or not? And one of the things that happens is, um, so God kind of has to put Job in his place a little bit. And he's like, where were you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You know, who determined its measurement? Surely you know, (laughs) or who stretched the line upon it? Like God's kind of like, you don't have the same perspective as me, right? And Job in response is so funny. It says that he puts his hand over his mouth, right? This is Job 42, uh, puts his hands over his mouth and he says, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, mm. things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Um, just didn't, didn't realize his own place in that creator-creature distinction, right? Like God is God and we're not, and we don't have the same understanding, the same perspective that he has. So it, yeah, it's interesting. So at, at some point, I think it, at some point that that doubt does yeah. become sinful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but is it okay to question at times? I think it's okay to walk through that. Of course. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's our questioning, our understanding of, of you know, what we've been told about God. And sometimes I think that's seen as doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course we need to then go back to the word and what it says about God. But I think right. so often sometimes people are just questioning maybe truths they got when they were kids that were drilled into them, you know, that, oh, is this actually true? true about God? Yeah. And and that's when I'm going to encourage, like, is that is that doubt sinful? No, I think that's healthy for, for growth, growth and to really root and establish yourself of what you know to be true about God. But that's where I'm always going to then encourage you to, like, let's see what the Word says about God yes. then. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, that's that's why we love the Bible. <laughs> well, um, one of the things that, that uh, in asking this question, uh, you don't want to focus on just the person because the Lord is involved in this too. Yeah. So like in our study of the book of Exodus, we're, I, I don't remember, it's, it's over 20 times that the Lord says something along the lines of that they may know that I am the Lord. Yes. That, that Pharaoh may know that I am the Lord, that the Israelites might know that I am the Lord, that you know, just, just keeps appearing over and over again where that somebody may know that I am the Lord. Yeah. So the Lord's the one that's acting here, revealing himself so that they may know. So so asking the question, is is God good? Yeah. You know, there there's the Lord is involved in that, demonstrating that yeah. that why well, yes, I am good. Yeah. He reveals that to yes. us. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and look at the passage. This is Psalm 23. Would one of you guys be up for, for reading this this little psalm? Well, Brian has it in the Hebrew. Open Are you going to read it in the Hebrew? Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to want me to read that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Let me ask this question because we're going to start really digging into verse six, especially this goodness and mercy shall follow me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, We're going to dig into that. But before we do this Psalm, I mean, it's such a short Psalm and it's situated right in the middle of what would be known as book one of the Psalms, right? Um, Help us understand just a little bit Wait a minute. I thought there was only one book of Psalms. And what 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 do we what do you mean by book 1 and what is its placement to say about the psalm itself? <laughs> oh, I'll just take this one. This is all Brian. Yeah, R- Rachel and I are arguing over who's going to speak here. Nope. Um, so again, there are five books of the Psalms. The first book is 1 to 41. The second book is 42 to 72. Book 3 is 73 to 88. Book four, sorry, 1889. Book four is 90 to 106, and then book five is 107 to 150. Um, and he just rattled that off the top yeah, of his head. He doesn't by the have way. notes in front of him. You no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's because you made me teach the song <laughs> so many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, book one, one of the things about book one is that. You have these superscriptions on on many psalms, not all the psalms. It's like a heading, right? Right, A little heading. Like a heading at the top. And and this is where you might see it's a psalm of David Mm -hmm. or or later on uh, Solomon or Moses or uh, Korah, sons Mm -hmm. of Korah. Um, Only David, only David's name appears in book one. Mm -hmm. And all the the headings for for the psalms, again, it's only David. It's either an orphan psalm with no heading – or it's uh, attributed in some way to David. Um, another thing about Book One is that the vast majority of the Psalms are laments, where the psalmist is complaining about what various situations, uh, which, which makes Psalm twenty-three stand out. Well, and and like you said, especially in in light of the one right around, like the ones right around it. Right, like, right. It's in like Psalm, Psalm twenty-two. Is right. that my God, Jesus my God. is quoting, yeah. my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Right. Um, you know, and then again, this this is right next to it. Mm-hmm. So that, that, again, this this Psalm 23 really stands out in in the context of, of book one. Yeah. How does what what does that then tell us about Psalm 23 in that in that context? Like like why is it here? Why is it in that spot? Well, the the, the Psalms the the Psalms. They go through this cycle, the, the, basically the whole way until you get to the very end, where you, you have psalms of what are called orientation, where all everything is right, everything is good. And then very shortly thereafter, you're going to get this uh, disorientation where nothing is right, everything is bad. Mm-hmm. And then you'll progress to a what's called a reorientation where, okay, I've kind of figured out. Yeah, there's like a restoration, right? Yeah. Where okay, my my knowledge of of something about the Lord has grown, and now I'm, I'm reoriented. I, I've I've moved on from that previous struggle, yeah. And for good or for bad, now I'm ready for the next struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Psalm 23 is is a psalm of reorientation where we've we've seen the the struggle in Psalm 22, and now we're okay. We're we're back. We're back to where we much prefer to be. Yeah. I think it's fascinating, though, I mean, when you think about that, the way that it's structured is a, is a lot like life in, in mm-hmm. some ways, right? You're dealing with, you know, you kind of, it kind of begins with, you know, blessed is he, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And then almost immediately you kind of fall into these 
laments these mm-hmm. these hard situations, difficult circumstances, one thing after another. Mm-hmm. And you have this little glimmer of hope right in the middle of the book. And I think that's that's very representative then of the human experience in a lot of ways. Um, that God reminds us that he is with us uh, even in the midst of difficult circumstances and 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 offers those promises. Yeah, it, and actually that that's that's a good summary of the whole book of Psalms because you, in Psalm 1 you have the ideal. You know, you have the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. And then you have the contrast in Psalm 2, which is also an orphan psalm, doesn't have a doesn't have a heading, it's not attributed to David, where you have the 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 essentially the wicked who are planning vanity. And actually that that planning is is the same word for meditate. Mm. So so you have this contrast of the the, the righteous meditating on on the word on, on, the, on the, Lord, law. the law of yeah. the Lord and the the wicked meditating on planning this you know worthless things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes on throughout the throughout the Psalms until you get to the end. The last five Psalms are, are nothing but praise. So yeah. the, the situation hasn't changed. You still have the struggles. You still have the the, the difficulties, the you know, oppression, you know, what, whatever have you. But the psalmist has learned to to see the Lord for who He is, and to see that He is He's got it. He's, yeah. he's not only is he got it, but he's he's worthy of the praise. And and looking at him, focusing on him, the, the troubles almost they 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 fade they fade away. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. To where again the psalmist is just just simply praising the Lord regardless of of his situation. Well, let's look at at the at the verse here, verse six in particular, and especially let's we want to pay attention to some of the key words that are happening in here. So it says again, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he's talking about goodness and mercy, what exactly is he talking about here? Well, Scott talked about mercy yesterday, mm-hmm. specifically in, in terms of um, grace being getting what you deserve, or what you don't deserve. Or No, grace being um, not, no, I'm all backwards. Grace being unmerited favor, right? A gift. And mercy being not getting what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was a helpful definition between those two terms. What is the, let, I mean, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. What, what, what exactly is happening with the uh, the Hebrew terms there? Um, Since we have the Hebrew scholar uh, here. Uh, <laughs> all right, enough of that. <laughs> Will you read I, it I, in Hebrew? I, need, <laughs> I, I need, need the dictionaries to read most of this stuff, so. Yeah. Um, the, the word the word goodness is is a it's a very very common word mm-hmm. and it and it is almost always translated good yeah tov yeah, yeah. Um, that that I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about that but the yeah. other word yeah for mercy that, that's translated mercy in the in the ESV is just it's an incredibly powerful word in Hebrew it's it's called chesed um, and we don't have an English word. One English word that that covers it. Um, it's translated here as mercy. It's translated elsewhere as steadfast love or loving kindness. Uh, Could be described as covenant loyalty. It is. Uh, it's just. It, it. It's a very weighty word. Mm. So, like when when the Lord reveals Himself to Moses, um, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to 
uh, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, abounding in, in the steadfast love. Mm-hmm. So he's revealing his character to Moses, and he uses that word. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 103, uh, the loving kindness of the Lord is f- from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. You know, yeah. Just that, that, that word, it, it just it's used in some very powerful places to convey um, that the Lord, the Lord has, has made promises, and he is going to keep them. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Right, right. Yeah, the faithful, loyal love of God is something that that I mean, we've talked about on the podcast a number of times here. This this word chesed and mm-hmm. and how that's and how that's used. But what's interesting is is here, um, it, you know, they're they're translating it as mercy for us here. Yeah, but why it, is that? But yeah, it's fascinating because it doesn't seem to capture right. what the word is really doing. Yeah. Um, so like I and so like I think what I mean is I don't necessarily disagree with what Scott said on Sunday because yeah. I think I think that's part of it like the, mm-hmm. the whole idea of God's God's faithful loyal love does then extend mercy to us where we deserve death and wrath mm-hmm. but he but he doesn't give that to us because of his faithful and 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 loyal love to us but um but yeah there's just so much more that's going on there right right so again mercy 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 is certainly included in um, in this word, mm-hmm. um, but again, there's just there's just there's so much there. There's yeah. so much so much that goes along with this word. Yeah, what might it look like, maybe in more tangible terms, to say that these two things, this this tov and chesed, right? That mm-hmm. these that these things, goodness and and mercy or steadfast love, are going to follow us all the days of our life, like like. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? So even the the verb there to, to follow, it's it's probably a little stronger than that, um, because that that is that verb is active. It's it's more. And, and Pastor Scott mentioned this. Uh, he used the word pursue multiple times in, mm-hmm. in his sermon, and and that I think is a better representation. Of what's going on here is right. that this 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 goodness and this this loving kindness, they are pursuing. The psalmist is saying they 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 are pursuing me. Yeah. It's not just they're kind of uh, being dragged along behind me in the wagon. Uh-huh. It's they they of their own volition are are running after me. Yeah. So what might that look like for for the psalmist for or for us as followers of Christ? Um. And, and I, I, want, I think I want to ask this question specifically in the sense of, of how Scott opened up the sermon talking about evil circumstances. We know that evil circumstances are going to happen to us in this life. So what does that mean that goodness – how can we say goodness and mercy, goodness and steadfast love are going to follow us, are going to pursue us even in the midst of evil circumstances? I think of, of the, the good and, and loving promises, promises of God. The things that he has promised us that his presence will be with us no mm-hmm. matter what. Um, you know, that he that he is working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And and those are things that we can bank on and those are things that we need to remember and hold tight to. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, yeah, the 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 surrounding circumstances aren't always going back to what we said, comfortable or pleasant. 
Um, but he has given us good promises. And then, I mean, spoilers for the second part of that verse, what we have to look forward to yeah. then can give us great. Then that does give us comfort. That does give us, um, I don't know, just that reassurance that, that he is working, that he will fulfill those good promises that he has given us. Mm. The, the idea of, of what actually is good uh, is another one that comes to mind. Is, is, is good what I want? Um, is it comfort? Is it rewards here and now, yeah. or or is is good? Uh, is good something along the lines of the development of my character? Mm-hmm. Is it um, the the rubbing off of the rough edges mm-hmm. and who I am? Is it the developing developing of of my character? more in the image of, of Christ. Yeah. It's almost getting at the question of why do we go through evil circumstances mm-hmm. and, and, and what is the good purpose then that that will result from those those circumstances? And and like we said before, sometimes we never will know those mm-hmm. things. Um, well, it's 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 counted all joy, brothers and sisters, when yeah. you encounter trials because yeah. those the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Yeah. James chapter one. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the point. It's not the outcome of the circumstance. It's the it. Well, it is about the outcome, but the outcome is not the in your face tangible outcome. It's the right. it's steadfastness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And even sometimes we do get to see some of those things. Second uh, Corinthians one, I think, is sometimes helpful for that because it talks about how. How sometimes the, the difficult circumstances we're going through are are given to us. Are, are we're, we go through those things um, because then we have a chance to then help others that are going through those things. So that's maybe one one reason why. Um, so there's there's that, but there's so many other things that are going on, like you said, like development of character, or or if it's um, just helping us to trust, to grow in our faith, and to trust God more, um, things like that, or maybe God. Uh, I mean, the the plan of God in all of this is so much bigger than 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 we can even fathom, and so uh, and so the, there's 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 almost this point of like we there's only certain things that we can know. We can only know the things that God has revealed to us. If He doesn't reveal those things, then we can't know <laughs> the, ultimately right, what that right. plan looks like. That that that's not to say though that there isn't. Uh, just raw evil does simply does not exist. That, sure. That's still that's still present. Yeah. Well, and 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 all evil too has its origin mm. in and ultimately in in creatures, right? Like mm-hmm. God. Well, let's be very clear about this. Like God does not produce and fresh God does evil. not tempt, right? Yeah, like, that's, a, tempt. that's a important. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, in His goodness, because He is essentially good at His very core, He cannot produce evil. Uh, he, he won't do that. What he does do, um, what it, it seems like that he does at times is directing evil, like, like sort of steering it in a way in order to accomplish his good purposes. Mm. And you see that so many times in scripture. Right, I mean, Joseph mm-hmm. and yeah, what right. you intended for yeah. evil, God intended for good. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so that you see that steering happening. And, and I think that's what this is getting at here, right? Like this idea that that this that as God accomplishes His purpose uh, through steering the evil that that takes place, um, we can trust that the good purpose will His good purposes will come out of that. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to have to go through the fire. That's right. You know, uh, but but like I said earlier, the promises that He is with you. Yeah. 
Isaiah 43, right? It says, uh, when you go through the fire, yeah. you will not be burned, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump to the to the end here. This is the very last part of this verse where it says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is he talking about there? I mean, typically in the Old Testament, when you see the term like the house of the Lord, you're dealing with the temple. It's like temple language, right? So what what is he talking about there specifically? So the house of the Lord, if this is uh, written by David... Uh-huh. The house of the Lord, the temple is not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, right. have, you know, you have the tabernacle. So what is right. it? So what is it talking is, about, Brian? Uh, I would simply go for this is in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Just yeah. dwelling in his presence. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're dwelling in his presence, the structure um, seems to me like it would matter a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but... Uh. No, I think that's important. I mean, that's one of the things that we, just a couple weeks ago in our women's ministry in Ezra 6, the that second temple is completed. So we talked about the presence of God, the right. theme from Genesis to Revelation of, of that presence with God, that God, uh, the, the way that he chose to dwell with his people was different in the Old Testament, but knowing... Um, Knowing the, the the way that he did that he chose to do that, and all of the all of the work that the priest had to go through to to enter into oh, and yeah. to be in the presence of God, right? Um, so now that we that God tells us to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. This is when I used the word bonkers in my teaching because <laughs> it is bonkers that we get to dwell with the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, regardless of what, what David is talking about, the, the concept that we dwell with the holy, perfect God is bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the theme of the Bible. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean really, you, you, you can see this repeated in multiple books of the Bible, this idea that God is saying, um, I will be their God and they will be my people, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of, of this this perfect fellowship with God, uh, we dwell in His presence, right? And we see that repeated over and over again thematically throughout Scripture. Um, one of the classes that we teach here is the Story of Scripture class, and we talk about that thread because it, it is just so key mm-hmm. to what the whole book is about, what the whole Bible is about. Because you see that in in Eden, right? In 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 the garden, they walked. They with wa- God. Yeah, God and there's actually them. a lot of temple language mm-hmm. in the garden there. And then you get to then the tabernacle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or even uh, even uh, you know with you have the the, the pillar of fire, pillar mm-hmm. of smoke, you know mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. But then you have the tabernacle. That is the place of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Then the first temple, the second temple. What's fascinating is you don't see the presence of God fill the second temple. Right. That's what I just taught on a couple, yeah. week, a yeah. couple weeks ago in Ezra six. Yeah. And you don't see it until. Until when? Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Jesus as a baby yep. comes to the temple. And you will name him Emmanuel. Yeah. God, God with, with us. us. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then and then and then what's crazy is then after Christ's death ascension or resurrection and ascension, we're told that now we are the temple of God. Yeah. Which is why we can say that the spirit you know, and you dwells see, within you us. You see the spirit coming down with what? 
mm-hmm. the wind and the fire. Yeah. And if you know all of that, you know, the cloud and the fire, That's like right. you mentioned again, this yeah. is why, this is why Brian loves the old Testament. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> right. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then finally in revelation, you get this, the same image again, where it says that there's no longer any temple because in the new Jerusalem, in this new heavens and new earth, there, there's no longer any temple and the Lord God himself is the temple is what it says in Revelation 21 uh, or 22. And so this idea of the presence of God is the is kind of the theme, uh, uh, one of the main themes of scripture in itself. And so you see it reflected here in verse six. So when we're talking about, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that's, a, that's an assured promise yeah. uh, that God is restoring the relationship, the fellowship between his people and uh, and himself, and so when we think about this, now let's just kind of pull all this into some some of a really a kind of a practical on the ground example of this. So, like, if we were to to say yes, I I believe that one hundred percent. I'm going to stand on that promise. How does standing on that promise then this surety of the future um, that we have with the presence of God? How does that affect the way that us as Christians respond then to evil circumstances? There's a there's a song I'm thinking of that um, one of the verses verses says, "No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that refuge clinging is. If Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing?" And I th- I love that that language there of my inmost calm, right? Because I think sometimes the outmost is can be frantic. And can be, you know, when you're dealing with some of these circumstances, and not to say that you want to be, you know, I don't know, crazy in response to those things. But when we are taking refuge in the Lord who is Lord of heaven and earth, who is sovereign over all things, who is omnipotent and in control and has power over all things, if we really believe that, well, then our inmost calm should be reflecting that. And mm-hmm. and that's not to say that like grief is not real. Right. And you know, we don't experience like you said the the so many of the psalms are lament. Mm-hmm. Um but there's still this aspect of I can grieve and I can I can be in despair over the sin of the world while knowing that God is ruler and king over all of it. And I I think with trusting the idea of trusting, trusting the Lord with that future. So in the, in the face of, of trials, difficult circumstances, the, the, the confidence, the confidence that, that the Lord is going to, to uh, fulfill these promises, mm-hmm. that, that is, um, that, that's pleasing to him. That, that's, that's, that's the faith that, that Abraham, Abraham had. Yeah. And God credited to him his righteousness. Right. You know, so they, and that, that that trust, that that faith, um, in the, in the future, in in what the Lord's going to do, uh, even to resolve the the difficulty, to to help help you through the the difficulty. Um, I think that's that's a pretty good idea of what what the psalmist is after. Yeah, we should we should walk away from this psalm. Uh, as it sort of reaches its crescendo here at the end with that type of assurance and, and it should bolster our faith. It should, it, it should, it should move us to a place of trusting God because he surely will do what he promises to do. I, I think we, we have talked about this recently in our, in our teacher meeting that, um, oh man, sometimes we can just be so short-sighted 
Mm-hmm. And we can just see, so, and not to say that our circumstances are not difficult. Um, they, there are things in this world that are hard to walk through and, and, and difficult and grief and, and sin are very real, um, that we should, that we should grieve over. Mm. But, um, like he said, when, when we understand how big God is, how, I don't know, just so different than us and how, how much over all of time and all of history of all of the things that he is, um, it's not to say that the things that we walk through on this earth are not difficult, but, um, it gives us perspective for Mm. what, what God is doing, who he is and what he is ultimately driving us to all the time. The course of history is the promise of, that's why I love revelation. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that's so important to see the bigness of God, him, him on his throne, who does not leave his throne, and what he has promised to do for eternity. Mm-hmm. Like that eternal perspective and to always see our circumstance through the lens of that internal perspective um, will give us comfort even in uncomfortable times. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for jumping in on the podcast with us this week. It was just a blessing to be able to hear from you guys and should you do bonus this. content of Brian reading it in Hebrew? Oh, we should. Come on. Just read verse six. Just read verse six. All right, hang on. Aktov v'chesed urdafuni ki kol yimei chayai v'shavti bevet Adonai l'orek yamim. Nice. All right. <laughs> I want to do this again. Yeah. With her, and I'm going to come with some bonus content for her. Oh, super oh, Okay. <laughs> Will it be a Le Francais? A, a, little, a little payback. <laughs> yes, a little payback, yes. Nice. Excellent. Well, hey, everyone, thanks for so much for listening today. We hope this was a blessing to you uh, as you're going through your week. This next week, we're going to be wrapping up the series, uh, Living in the Overflow. This is going to be the ninth sermon in the series. And um, we're really going to dig into that last passage, this idea that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and, and dig into that um, that idea of it. So uh, I'm excited to hear how Scott wraps this, this whole series up and uh, what hope that's going to bring to us, especially uh, with all the circumstances going on in the world uh, these days. What, a, what an awesome thing to, to walk through together as a church family. Um, if you have any questions about the things that we've talked about, Wow, like shoot us an email. We would love to talk with you. And uh, we would love to, to to hear from you about what you're wrestling with and what you're dealing with through all this. So, uh, so reach out to us. You can find all of our information on the website. And uh, on top of that, we're going to be back next week to talk about uh, more about Psalm 23, verse 6. So we will see you guys then on the Sunday recap. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.